بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد نسلی اللہ رسول کریم اما بات الحمد للہ چنائٹ از دا ففٹینتھ آف ڈسمبر ان دی ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری الحمد للہ that we're going through the illustrious and blessed life of the eminent companion, Sayyidina Abu Hurairah radiyallahu. And I've started the subsection in which we're taking a glimpse into his renowned taqwa. So, in a similar, but this time most amusing incident, we learn again or take a glimpse into the great taqwa of Abu Huraira radiyallahu. So this is recorded in Tabarani and Behaki. Ibn Hakim Ghatbi rahmatullah alayhi relates. Whenever Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiyallahu would meet me, he would always ask about the well-being of Sayyidina Samura ibn Jundub radiyallahu. When I would reply to him, Samura radiyallahu is well and good. Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiyallahu would express joy. Thus one day I asked Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiyallahu, Why do you always ask about the well-being of Samura radiyallahu every now and again? Let's open the report. <coughs> so Abu Huraira radiyallahu Obviously, you, sh- you should be concerned about the welfare of your brothers and sisters. But he seemed to have an unusual attachment to one particular company, Samura ibn Jundub, radiyallahu. And he would keep asking this, this man about him. So when Ibn Hakim Ghatbi would say he is well and good, one day he said, why do you keep asking about the well-being of Samura every now and again? Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiyallahu replied, Once we were ten people assembled in a dwelling. On that occasion, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said to us, Amongst you ten, the one who is the last to die will be in the fire. Thereafter, Abu Huraira added radiyallahu, Eight out of the ten have now passed away. Now only Samura and myself are left. Thus if Samura radiyallahu dies before me, I shall be left for the fire. Stop <coughs> in the report. So this is why he was concerned. Because obviously whatever the Prophet says is absolute truth. So there was 10 people and he said the last of you 10 will be in the fire. So obviously Abu Hurair is thinking, astaghfirullah, that means that one of us is going to, you know, is going to lose our iman, we're going to end up in the fire. Eight passed away, so he's thinking, oh my God, is it me? So he keeps asking about Samura, he goes, how is he? Abu Huraira radiyallahu would become frightened, even if someone would inform him out of jest, that Sayyidina Samura radiyallahu had died. In fact, when he was informed, he would sometimes faint. But at last, Abu Huraira radiyallahu passed away before Sayyidina Samura radiyallahu. 
So let's look at this. So who were these people who would frighten Abu Huraira? I have no idea. But look how he would react when people would even jokingly say, oh, he's passed away. He'd faint. So we take from this that he had absolute yaqeen in the Prophet's words. So the Lord himself. Then the report says, but Abu Huraira was the one who was the ninth to pass away. So now, what was the understanding of this? The blessed scholars, Rahimahumullah, have pointed out that Sayyidina Abu Huraira, in reality, had nothing to fear. Why? Because Muhammad ibn Sirin, he said, Sayyidina Samura, he had a disease which caused biting cold. Hence, he would often be seen filling a cauldron with boiling water and sitting very near it to warm himself. One day, however, whilst doing the same exercise, he slipped and he fell into the, onto the cauldron and this led to and caused his death. So this is recorded in Ibn Asak. So what did the Prophet mean when he said, the last of you will be in the fire. He was highlighting that the last of you will die because of the fire. Yeah. Not because you're going to be in the fire. Yeah. So what happened? Abu Huraira, he correctly communicated what the Prophet had said. But he did not understand the intention of the Prophet. Have you understood? So, like I mentioned yesterday, what did that Tabeel ask him? He goes, narrate to me a hadith that you have heard directly from the Prophet and understood fully. That's why he said that. Because you could narrate, you might not understand what the Prophet was saying. So here, note Abu Huraira, the reason I've narrated it is to show how God-fearing he was. Now think about that. He was a companion, Sayyidina Samura. Second thing, which is certainly worth pointing out, how many signs of Nabuwat do you want? You know, literally, you lose count. He knew, sallallahu alayhi wa how Samara was going to die. The fire is was going to cause his death. And it was the fire. He was scalded or, you know, from the boiling hot water. This led to his death. So it was the fire. So how is it that everything he says comes true? Sallallahu alayhi So now, who is this companion? Just to give a little bit about it. <coughs> With regards to Sayyidina Samura ibn Jundub, then he was one of those youngsters who was allowed to participate in the Battle of Uhud. It is related that first Sayyidina Rafi ibn Khadij pleaded his case with his relatives. And he said, I'm an expert archer. He goes, please put my case before the Prophet. Rasulullah accepted their plea. So look how interesting. These were teenagers. You know, maybe, you know, just on the brink of becoming Balikh. And they wanted to fight in Uhud. Rafi, or sorry, Rafi, he said, look, I'm, you know I'm an expert archer. He said, okay, I'm young. But please ask the Prophet if I can join. The Prophet accepted it. So Rafi with a big smile, like a Cheshire cat, he joins the force. Upon hearing this, Sayyidina Samura ibn Jundub 
thereupon pleaded his case. He claimed he was stronger than Rafi. So Sabu said, Well, if Rafi has been allowed, I'm stronger than him. It is related that they thereupon wrestled, upon which Sayyidina Sambura radiallahu threw down Sayyidina Rafi radiallahu. Thus he too was allowed to participate in the battle of Uhud. Refer to Ibn Hisham in his Sira, page 396 of the New English Translation. So look how amazing the youngsters were setting the standard. One joins, saying he's an expert archer. Somebody joins by throwing down Rafi. Around a dozen or so other youngsters were not so fortunate. They were told to return. So who were these youngsters who were told, no, you can't participate. They included Abdullah ibn Umr, Zayd ibn Thabit, Osama ibn Zayd, Abu Sa'id al-Khudri, and Zayd ibn Arkan, radiyallahu ta'ala Refer to Ibn Asakir in his Tariq Dimishq, volume 19, page 263-264. So look how amazing. These are very famous companions. Abdullah ibn Umar, he wept because I wasn't allowed to participate. He goes, the Prophet turned me away. He was only allowed to participate in the next encounter when he was 15. Mentioned in Sayyid Bukhari. Zayd ibn Thabit was the scribe of Rasulullah. He was turned away. Osama ibn Zayd was... The beloved of the beloved of the Prophet ﷺ, he was turned away. Abu Sayyid al-Khudri, the Mufti of Medina, he was turned away. And Zayd ibn Arkan, the one who Allah testified with his hearing, he was turned away. So what does that tell you? They all wanted to participate. So when you say, have the youngsters got role models, how many do you want? And this is the battle of Uhud. But which two were allowed? Rafi ibn Khadij and Samara ibn Jundub, radiyallahu May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be well pleased with all these noble and illustrious souls and forgive us all for their honorable sake. Amen. So that great companion, Samura, he passed away. And this was, I believe, just before Hazrat Muawiyah passed away. He passed away shortly after Abu Hurairah. So he lived a long life. But he passed away and the Prophet even informed him of how he was going to pass away. In another similar, but this time far more serious narration, it is related that our beloved Messenger once passed by Ar-Rahal when he was seated with Abu Hurairah and he said, one of you has his mole in hellfire like Man Uhud. Both men just remained apprehensive until eventually Ar-Rahal apostatized with Musaylim. Subhanallah. This is recorded in Tabarani. Somebody in his tariq 4-106, Qadi Iyad in his shifa, page 190 of the English translation, Ibn Kathir's Sira, volume 4, page 68-9 of the English translation. So now what's the odds? It's 50-50. So Abu Huraira sitting in the year Ar-Rahal, it's also, his name is pronounced Ar-Rajal. That's also in the books. Don't worry about it. It's shaitan, right? So Ar-Rahal is what I'm using. He was sitting seating with Abu Huraira and what did the Prophet say? One of you has his mawla in hell like Mount Uhud. So now think about this. He's still recovering from someone's hadith. Right? <laughs> right? You know, he has to wait, you know, decades for that to clarify. And now he's got this. 
But this report says that both of them were really apprehensive. But then, Ar-Rahal, he apostatized. He joined the false prophet, Musaylim. So now let's mention a bit about it. In Ibn Kathir, Sira, volume 4, page 68 to 9 of the English translation, Hafiz Ibn Kathir, he said, Al-Suhili, Rahmatullahi, and others, they relate the following about Ar-Rahal Ibn Unfuwa. His other name being Nahar Ibn Unfuwa. He had accepted Islam. He had learned some of the Quran and spent a period as a companion in inverted commas of Rasulullah. Eventually Al-Rahal apostatized with Musaylima. He falsely testified that Rasulullah had made Musaylima his partner in his activities and attributed to the latter some part of the Quran he had learned. This Musaylima claimed for himself. All this resulted in a great confusion for Banu Hanifa. So let's look at this. So this man, Al-Rahal, Shaitan got him. That's the way to look at it. He embraced Islam. He actually learned some Quran. <coughs> and technically he's a companion of the Prophet. But you have to die with him. He didn't. So he then left Islam. And now look what he's done. He's telling the people Quran has been revealed to Musaylimah. But the Quran that was he said was revealed to Musaylimah is what he had learned from Rasulullah. So this caused great confusion amongst the tribe of Banu Hanifa. Clarifying further, Abu Huraira he said, Myself and a group of others once were sitting with Rasulullah and present amongst us was Ar-Rahal ibn Unfuwa. During the gathering, Rasulullah suddenly said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Inna fikum la rajulan dirsuhu fin nari a'zubu min uhud. Verily amongst you is a man whose molar tooth in the hellfire will be larger than man uhud. Abu Huraira continued, The members of that gathering passed away one by one. And only two of us remained, myself and Al-Rahal. I just feared for myself until Al-Rahal came out with Musaylimah bearing witness to his prophethood. Indeed, the fitna that was caused by Al-Rahal was greater than the fitna that was caused by Musaylimah. This is recorded in Tabri in his Tariq 4-106. So let's look at this. So there's a slight discrepancy here. The Hadith in Tabrani says there was only two people. This report says there was others. Doesn't really matter. Doesn't affect the narrative because that shaitan still is shaitan. But then look what Abu Huraira said that you love. The fitna which Musaylimah caused was not as bad as this shaitan. Look how shocking that is. Al-Rahal didn't call himself a prophet. He just testified to Musaylimah. But Abu Huraira said, this is what gave Musaylimah the wind. This shaitan, because he was the great fitna. Ar-Rahal ibn Unfuwa was a member of Banu Hanifa, the delegation who had come to embrace Islam. This devious man had stayed behind in Al-Madina when the rest of the delegation returned. So what happened? It's the year of delegations. This is the ninth year after the Hijrah. 
and the coming in tribes to embrace Islam. Banu Hanifa comes. This man Ar-Rahal, he comes, embraces Islam, and his own tribe leaves, he stays behind. He attached himself to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa He learned the Quran. He just rose in stature amongst the believers. They thought, look how sincere he is. Thus, when news of the spread of Muslims fitna became more alarming, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sent Ar-Rahal for the task. For who could be better than one of their own kinsmen? So obviously you're thinking, okay, this shaitan is calling himself a prophet. Ar-Rahal, he's from that tribe. They all know him. He's respected. I'll send him. He was a chief of Banu Hanifa. He had learned the Quran. He had acquired wisdom. Thus he was sent to undo the mischief that Musaylama had wrote in Yamama. So what happened? In Tabri in his Tariq, volume 2, page 505, it mentions, as soon as he arrived in Yamama, the wretch declared, Musaylama is indeed a prophet. I have heard Muhammad say so. He obviously lied. So what happened? He went back to his tribe and the message should have been, he's an imposter. I've been sent. I'm one of your men. I'm your sincere advisor. Rasulullah has told you, warned you about this man. But when he went back, what overtook him? The dreaded disease of tribal xenophobia overcame him. My tribe is right, whether they're wrong. You understand? I will follow them. So you, obviously we get it to a degrees in every comb. But this is the worst. Imagine, you know, you, obviously we know that we've got this problem. He's a Pratan, so I'm, gonna, I'm behind him. But what if he's, he's a murderer? Are you behind him? Yeah. That, that's an illness. Somebody's committed a crime. Well, he's one of us, so I'm going to defend him no matter what. But you can't defend him. He's a criminal. So this is obviously what we experience. This is the worst type. He goes back to his tribe just for that illness. He goes, no, no, he is a prophet. <laughs> Who could doubt the words of this respected companion? Think about that. So obviously, this is what Abu Huraira said. He goes, he was the greatest fitna. So people thought, hang on a minute. He's definitely one of the companions. I saw him with the prophet. He must, that's it. He goes, Musaylam is a prophet. It is related that once referring to our beloved messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and Musaylam al-Qadhab, al-Rahal said, there are two rams that have struck one another with their horns. And of them, the one we love more is our ram, i.e. Musaylam. This is recorded by Hafiz ibn Hajar Asqalani rahmatullahi in his Al-Isaba number 2761. So look at the way you can see that he's got that illness. Because the two rams have struck. And he goes, the one we love is our ram. The arrival of the renegade proved a windfall for Musaylimah and the Banu Hanifa came in even larger numbers to swear allegiance to their false prophet. So what happened? Sheikh Ali Al-Utum, he relates in his Harakatul Ridda, page 75. As a result of this most heinous lie, Al-Rahal convinced more people to follow falsehood than did his leader Musaylimah. So think about that. 
the so-called prophet, he's not making much inroads. Ar-Rahal opened up the floodgates for him. Ar-Rahal became the right-hand man of Muslim and the imposter made no important decision without consulting him. Why? Because think about it, he knows he's a shaitan. Muslim, obviously, he knows. He's thinking, he's definitely a shaitan. Right? So, right-hand man. During the fateful battle of Yamama, the commander of the original Muslim right, Sayyidina Zayd ibn al-Khattab, came face to face with Ar-Rahal, the renegade. So what happened? Abu Bakr becomes the Khalifa, he's dealing with the apostates. The famous battle of Yamama takes place. And a very famous companion, the older brother of Umar, Zayd ibn al-Khattab, comes face to face with Rahal. As noble as ever and wishing to save the shaitan from the eternal fire, Zayd called out, Ya Rahal, you left the true faith, return to it. That would be more noble and virtuous. This is in Tabari in his Tariq, volume 2, page 511. So think about that. In the heat of battle, he doesn't want to send him to the fire. That's the nobility of Zayd. You know, I tell you straight, straight in there. I'm not going to give him doubt, right? But Zayd said, no, he goes, look, the renegade refused. The renegade refused. And a fierce duel ensued in which, subhanallah, ultimately, Zayd was triumphant. Thus, another fulfillment of an endless prophecy of our beloved messenger. Because one of you has got a tooth as big as Mount Ukhad in the fire. He had to die as a kafir. So again, we go to the non-Muslims. Everything he's saying is coming true. Is he a prophet? No, no, no. But where is he getting this knowledge from? Subhanallah. Hafiz ibn Kathir, he elucidated. Ar-Rahal was killed by Sayyidina Zayd ibn al-Khattab in the Battle of Yaman. This is in Ibn Kathir's Seed of Volume 4, page 69 of the English translation. So now let's go back to Abu Hurair. <laughs> Subhanallah. Only Allah, the Almighty and Glorious alone knows what Sayyidina Abu Hurairah must have been going through during those few short years of Ar-Rahal's life. <laughs> Imagine, you're thinking, die, shaitan, right? <laughs> and he died, he thought, Alhamdulillah. Then he's thinking, somebody, somebody, all right. <laughs> and that was a misunderstanding on his part. And that man goes, why do you keep asking about Samura? And he goes, look, there's a problem here as well. There's nothing wrong with Samura. But look how beautiful, you could see his taqwa. He has absolute belief in the Prophet's words. He had no doubt this is true. But we can see his glaring taqwa as well. With regards to Zayd ibn al-Khattab, just to finish. Sayyidina Zayd ibn al-Khattab was also shortly thereafter martyred during this battle. So look how amazing. The older brother of Umar killed that shaitan after offering him Islam again. But he himself was martyred. Umar radiyallahu Later, he would say, My brother overtook me in the two good things. He embraced Islam before me. He was also martyred before me. <laughs> Subhanallah. This is in Ibn Sa'ad in his Tabakat 3-274, Al-Istiyab 2-550, Asadul Ghaba 2-85. So now this is a very interesting statement. Umar was the last of the ten to embrace Islam. The 10 promised paradise, Umar was the last. He was the fifth or sixth year 
of Rasulullah's prophethood that he finally embraced Islam. His brother embraced Islam well earlier than him. He was hiding it from him. So Umar goes, he beat me to Islam. One of the good things. He is also beat me to the other good thing, martyrdom, ahead of me. Now look at his word. He, Umar knows he's going to get martyred. He's beat me to that as well. He goes Islam and martyrdom. And also he had a great love for his brother. The one who had martyred Zayd ibn al-Khattab was an apostate. He re-embraces Islam. So he's thinking, oh my God, how am I going to show my face to Umar? Umar becomes the Khalifa. He's thinking, I'm never going to show my face to him. But Umar calls him. And then he goes, tell me, what happened? <coughs> so then he says, Amir al-Mu'mineen, may Allah forgive me, you know, this, that, the other. He goes, Alhamdulillah, you know, Allah Ta'ala honored your brother with martyrdom by my hand, and I wasn't disgraced by his. So he said very similar words to what Wahshi said about Hamza's martyrdom. So Umar radiyallahu said, every time the wind blows from your mama, I remember my brother. Subhanallah. Every time the wind blows from your mama, I remember my brother. Meaning, he goes, he had deep love for him. Now another very interesting thing, just to add this. There was another uh, individual, a female. I'm going to summarize it. She had a brother that she had great love for as well. And her brother died. So she, what she did was she kept his sandals and she would carry his sandals around her neck. So people would say, what was he, what she doing? You know, it's her brother, she can't forget her brother. So what happened? Omar is doing tawaf and he sees her. He goes, who's that? And he goes, oh, Amin al-Mu'mineen, it's so-and-so, she's lost her brother. And so the people thought that Omar's going to go furious, thinking, what sort of jailia practice is this? Omar then said something amazing. He goes, that grief will go with her to her grave. Now, why did Omar say that? Because of his brother. Yes. He goes, I've lost my brother. He goes, so in other words, I'm still here. how can I tell her off? Because but I don't, I'm not showing it. Because I know it's never going to leave. So why is this statement very interesting? Because some people make some crazy statements. Oh, you'll get over it. He goes, will I? Right? Umar said, I won't. What Umar was saying was, it, it never leaves you. But the effects of it are reduced. Sometimes you are, you know, you you remember you're going to grieve more again. And that's his brother. Then what happened to that woman, just to finish this? She went to see Aisha, the mother of the believers. And Aisha asked, what's this? So she told him, she goes, oh, I can't forget my brother. So Aisha radiyallahu said, I lost Rasulullah. That's all she said. Three words. <coughs> I lost Rasulullah. So she snapped out of it. She goes, how can I love my brother more than Aisha loves the Prophet? She got into the, the sandals. Then the report mentions that in the battle of Qadisiyah, just a few years later, the main battle which put the Persian Empire on its knees. She had four sons. And she told her four sons, fight bravely in this battle. You don't disgrace me and your father on the day of judgment. So what happened? All four got martyred. So then, somebody went to Anas, go and tell the mother. He goes, hang on a minute. Go and tell the mother, right? Because I'm going to break that news too. He goes, you're going to have to do it. 
So Anas radiyallahu, imagine, look how twitching this is. When he came to fight in the Persians, like lions, he was more scared going to, you know, he thought, I'm not going to break this news. So he goes to that noble woman and he goes, glad tidings. He goes, your son has been martyred. So she goes, Alhamdulillah. But Anas is still standing. He goes, what other news have you got? He goes, glad tidings. Your second son has also been martyred. He goes, Alhamdulillah. He goes, what other news have you got? <clears throat> and he mentioned all four. And she goes, Alhamdulillah. Allah Ta'ala has blessed me with four martyrs. May Allah Ta'ala accept their sacrifice and honor me. And Anas, he goes, he thought to himself, is this the same woman who couldn't forget her brother? So what's happened? The imams got stronger. He's lost her four sons. Where's the sandals? Not interested. So this shows that people get stronger. And then Umar, when he heard about this, he was greatly moved. And he said, I will give the stipends of the four mujahids to her, all four stipends. So whatever they were getting from the state, he goes, I will give that to her mother until she passes away. So not all of this I wanted to link, right? Because it's all linked to Zayd ibn al-Khattab. So he was marching in the battle of Yaman. So not again, I could do a tangent, but I wanted to mention a little bit about these noble souls. But not Abu Hurairah. He's carrying all these narrations thinking, subhanAllah, what is this? And the Prophet's words were, of course, 100% true. Are there any questions you'd like to ask? Subhanallah <laughs>